0: I'm Katherine Spearing and this is Uncertain. Tears of Eden, a nonprofit supporting survivors of spiritual abuse from the evangelical community and home of the Uncertain podcast, is hosting its first in-person retreat con October 20th through 22nd. This retreat con will have the intimacy of a retreat with the intentionality of a conference. In partnership with the I Got Out movement, the retreat con will also feature a special event story jam highlighting survivor stories live and in person. Registration is currently open and spots are limited. Sign up with a link in the show notes. This podcast and the work of Tears of Eden are supported by the generosity of listeners like you. If you'd like to see the work of Tears of Eden continue, consider giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly supporter. You can do that by visiting tearsofeden.org support. My guests today asked for their real names to not be mentioned in this episode. We're discussing one of my absolutely favorite things, how art helps us process, helps us release our trauma, and ultimately helps us heal. This episode will be more documentary style, less of an interview. To start out, I asked Teruyu and Lennox to share about the musical they're currently writing.
1: It's a story about getting out of cults or high coercive or controlling environments and relationships. It focuses on the protagonist inspired by my experience, me, and that person who is just recently come out of cult, coming out and seeks to reconnect with a couple of the ex-cult members that were very close to her. One was a romantic love and one was a close friend. So this protagonist goes on this journey to reconnect while they're dealing with all the, the grapples of recovery you know whether that's PTSD or figuring out how to find a job when you have this big blank spot on your resume just just dealing with getting back to some sense of quote-unquote normalcy you know life outside the cult so eventually that protagonist reconnects with these two other people and That's a whole new journey, too, of them coming together, really for the first time as their true selves, and getting to know each other all over again, and connecting the pieces of their own recovery journeys together to understand it in a deeper way, in a bigger picture way.
2: The story is not about what it's like being in a cult, even though we touch a little bit on it. It really is what it's like getting out of the cult. There's so much narrative right now about The cult leaders, the gurus, what the cults did, all that sort of situation, which is important, but there is this huge, you know, void of conversation that seems to be missing of once you're out. You know, once you're out, you, you, you most likely have very little financial resources. The bucket man has, you know, cleaned you, cleaned you dry. There's not a lot of social contacts or contacts or or developments. There's not the job as we were talking about. You know, there's a space where you can't really say, "Well, the last ten years I worked in a cult." Oh, great, come on in. We need that in our place yeah, of work. Yeah. You know, there's like there's these big voids. But yet at the same time, you're still trying to you know work in the world and deal with the traumas and the whole sort of overwhelming aspect of it and having narrative in our story around that as opposed to the whole experience of the cult.
0: I then asked them how art in general has played a role in their healing process.
1: When I think about art, I think of how it's always been something that has grounded me in a faith of things. Pre-cult time, I was just, you know, beginning my career in theater and art and just loving to express myself in different ways, but because of different things, I got sidetracked, <laughs> recruited, and there was this pause in that pursuit and scraping away slowly dying part of me that was very artistic, very active in the community and sharing my voice and being very passionate about things. And so coming back to that, after getting out of the cult. And for me, it's only been a short time. And so it's just been a whirlwind getting back to the freedom of expression. And it almost came immediately. You know, once we started researching and being able to understand the terminology of what cult is, you know, what is coercive control, all those things and being able to name it, we were starting to get those supports in place for what we needed in post-cop trauma and that included, you know, our doctor, therapy, for me antidepressants and things, but there was something that was a miss and it was a big piece. And that just came to head with this musical and and saying, you know, I need somewhere to process all of this. I need somewhere to land that's safe. That's even fun and helps me move through the t- really difficult parts of it that are hard and maybe impossible sometimes to express just verbally and to reimagine, you know, what our story could have been like, what other choices could have been made, how other paths could have been forged if we hadn't gone through the cult for that many years in that way. So it's been such a, I would say a, a grounding source for me. Because like you say, you know, like you titled this podcast, Uncertain. We love that because it is, there is so much uncertainty coming out of cults as opposed to always seeking the right answers and having to have those answers and that responsibility. There is so much uncertainty that you come out of in cult recovery. And so to have something that, that grounds, that grounds you. And is always there for you, whatever that creative expression means to you. For me, it's musical and theater and dance and these things. It's just been organically and naturally a part of our support and recovery.
2: For me coming out of a you know, being raised in a very I don't want to say very strict, I'm sure there's stricters, but a pretty strict Christian reality in life and very very sort of white supremacist in its world there there wasn't people of color there were there were no queer people in my life growing up there was there was very you know limited view one thing that was never talked about or shared was trauma you know trauma was you know the skill for trauma was to pray you know you're traumatized just pray you know and i think there's a space for prayer i think prayer is part of the ingredient list whatever that is to whoever that is you know but that's like saying how do you make muffins well with eggs you know (laughs) you need a lot more and you need instruments you need an oven you need pans you need spoons like there's so much more than just that one sort of ingredient but that was the only one that was given so there wasn't any tools to process trauma and so it became part of my life, it became looking for people to show me how to process trauma. And I think that's how I got more than anything, got influenced into these cults. Cause I was being given the, you know, the bait of here. I've got the answers for you. Excellent. I don't know what the questions are, but you got the answers. So that's great. That's all I need then. I don't even need to worry about the questions. And as I'm getting out, I'm realizing that creativity, An art, an expression, is something that I can own for my trauma recovery. It's something that we have the right to the self-expression. And this power has given me a chance to sort of start to think about what is the question, as opposed to just letting someone give me an answer to a question I don't even
0: have yet. As a follow-up question to Teruyo's experience, I asked them what it was like to have art taken away
1: it felt like i was walking around like an empty shell i became very good at just following orders and organizing things and events according to what the people above me were telling me to do so it just felt very empty because what i thought was my voice was really just an echo of the voice of the leaders And so it became very hollow and a feeling of quiet inside of me and a feeling of also giving up because, you know, if, if this is it, if this is enlightenment, if this is what our true purpose is on earth and art doesn't really matter because that's just stroking the ego and wanting to be famous and all these things, then this is my true self and feeling defeated by that and not... You know, of course, self-blaming as well, because, you know, I should feel better about this. You know, why Why do I feel still empty and like I'm slowly having the life sucked out of me?
0: Throughout the interview, Lennox mentioned that art was suppressed in the world they grew up in. This is something I really resonate with, so I asked them to expound on that a little bit more.
2: I grew up in a, a, a very structured world, even though it appeared, you know, from you could create the narrative that there was lots of, you know, diversity, you know, we we traveled, you know, we went to Europe, but we went to the holiday inns in Europe, we didn't go to certain areas, you know, we, like travel became even very structured and, and similar in a lot of ways. We went to musicals growing up, we go in and we see the big, you know, Les Miserables, you know, that's Phantom, a, of Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> Tommy, you know, like, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Like we saw these all multiple times, but it was something that was you went to because it was a status to go back and say, I went to this show on fifth row center and I saw <laughs> so-and-so sing this song. That was the point of it more than anything. When I would play music in the basement, when I would grab my guitar and learn how to play, when I would sort of structure songs, it was discouraged from something that was allowed or a possibility it wasn't something that i could fold into my life and turn into something or continue or grow it was something that i was allowed to do around the campfire that's about it and definitely at the summer camps that i spent all my summers at which were very very strict baptist you can play music but it has to be these 12 songs approved by the board in this way you know, that was sort of it. You can make up songs, but here are the 4,000 words that you're not allowed to use. And here are the 150 words that you can use. Go ahead. You can create a new, you know, hymn or a new sort of camp song for those aspects of it. So music and most creativity, similar with storytelling, with art, with humor, had these limitations that were just structured in it. And those limitations are structured in myself as well, how I perceived myself, how I saw myself. Later in life, I was diagnosed as neurodiverse, but neurodiversity wasn't allowed to be present. You had to focus, pay attention, make eye contact. You know, don't be so weird. (laughs) I got that all the time. Don't be so weird. Don't be so lazy. Those are the two things I heard all the time as if it was me needing to fit something. Don't be so effeminate. Don't wear so many colors, you know, your hair is too long. These are things that sort of fit into that model. And it was was the world that basically, and because there was no other vision, I had no access. This was really pre-internet. There was no access to see anything else. In my mind, I was like, that must be the way. That's the only way I see, that's all I see all around me. So that must be the way I'm gonna have to pull up my socks and figure out how to fit into this world the best I can but i never really did i mean i always said that i found the edge of normal because that's as close as i could get and that's where i sort of existed but i put a lot of resources into finding that edge of normal so i couldn't actually exist i was just always trying to be close enough to not be too different or ostracized or told I'm going to hell or you know all these narratives that you know from a very very young age holds a lot of trauma as I eventually got out of the cult, I realized that I had always written songs for musicals. You know, I when I would sit down and play guitar, I didn't play a song. I'd have six songs that I'd play that I'd weave together that would tell a narrative and a story, whether I wrote them or they were covers, they would like be intrinsically part of what I was doing. The, the live performances and the little times that I would I would give myself permission and space to do that. It's the same thing. I wouldn't just go up and like, here are my five favorite songs. It's, here's a story. And here's, you know, if you follow along, here's an emotional thread that we're going to weave and follow. And so when I realized that through the cult recovery, through the recovery of the limitations that my social structure had put upon me, through the recovery of of opening up who I am and who I how i see this world i also started to go but musicals are wonderful i love musicals so why not create in that realm why not use that as an opportunity to to express myself and through that there was also this weird sort of connection weird there was this wonderful connection (laughs) that through musicals i actually discovered that Emotions are not something that I feel comfortable using words to express. I can, but they never close. You know, it's it's never quite there, but in music, I certainly can. Like instantly I can the way I feel, I can express through my music almost instantly. And then all of a sudden we take the music and we create this dynamic of envisioning a scene on a stage. Not only is this music, but what does it look like to be performed and acted with lights and costumes and, you know, all of a sudden, the veil lifted and I can see ways of connecting with my trauma and having conversations with my trauma and, and you know, like being one a little bit more with my trauma and not just, oh, I got to push that away because I don't know what to deal with it or I need to go through years and years of therapy, hopefully find something. There was a little bit more ownership in this, and a little bit more sort of togetherness in this. And so the, the creation of the musical has given myself just so much to work with and so much space and so much peace and like just deep breaths and sighs of release through the experience I, I, I can't imagine living
0: without it at this point in time. At this point in the conversation, Teruyo asked me about my experience with art. So I was always fiction writing, even even as a very young kid. I would write stories in a in a notebook and like read them to my stuffed animals. And I I wrote plays for my cousins to perform at Christmas, and it was just like always a part of my life. And then when I got older, it was kind of like placated like oh this cute little hobby everyone in my family was very athletic so that was very much held up as like the ideal and and creativity but with like your hands like like flower arrangements <laughs> or yeah. sewing like my type of creativity like writing novels was what I what I wanted to do it just wasn't as accepted and the first novel that I wrote when I was a teenager was very like moralistic and like has, you know, the good little Christian characters who at least, you know, convert at least one person in in the story. <laughs> and <laughs> the story well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just, and I just remember, even as I was writing it, not feeling, feeling like I was forcing it, even as a teenager feeling like I was forcing it. And, and then the first book that I wrote, After I left the church, I was like, fuck this. I am going to write whatever comes to me, whatever comes to me, however it shows up. I do not care. This is not about Jesus. This is not about God. This is not about, you know, converting anybody. This is not about, you know, what people are going to think of me. Just like completely shut it. And it was so much fun. And a lot of stuff popped up in that writing. And a lot of a lot of it had to do, it was like a, it was that very the first book that I ever put sex in. And there were these characters that just became just like like having a trans character just like show up. And like I had known a few people who identify as trans and I would just I I'm like, I don't know where this character came from. <laughs> like I just I don't know where this character came from, but I'm just gonna go with it because they are here. And they want a voice and they want to speak. And so I'm gonna let them speak. And and it was so much fun. And I have become a much better writer since you just like throw off the <laughs> like it's supposed to fit in this little this little thing. And and then also just as a way of like processing the trauma to like the stuff that will come up in a story that I didn't know I was thinking about that I didn't know was something that I needed to look at or grief that will show up in a story that is just it's just a different way of expressing that sometimes is easier and easier to access different parts of yourself and your intuition that doesn't come from just like sitting in a in a, in a therapy room and telling your therapist the story it's, it's different we're having
1: some deep breaths listening to you it's that feeling right that we want to share, and that's why it's important to talk about the place of art in our lives, and this is also a big part of the fuel of my my thesis and my research is to bring more credibility to things like the expressive arts therapy and their place in the whole solution of things, because you know it's a, look I like looking at it like in my recovery and my healing as a support team.
0: Earlier in our conversation, I mentioned that whenever I featured an episode on Uncertain about the role of art in healing, those episodes tend to have a much lower number of listeners than other episodes.
1: And I'm not surprised to hear that that's that when you focused in on that in your podcast, that you had a lower, you know, listening ratio because it, you know, again, through that cult lens, seeing the cult of patriarchy colonialism, those things that devalue unique creative expression that say, you have to be perfect and perfect looks like this. And if you don't adhere to that perfection, then you don't have a right to say your voice or express your voice. And and how dare you even think about using that voice and that expression to challenge what higher ups deemed is important and true and real, there's empowerment there, and the structure knows about this. They know that when you take away the creative expression from people, they're easier to control. They become like those shells, that it can just follow orders more easily. And so I think there's layers for people to tap into, and it's going to be a big part of the healing recovery for a collective as a whole to tap back into. The artistry within every person and what that looks like uniquely to them because we've been told from the get-go that we you know we're not artists we're not singers we're not writers you know whatever it is you know some people have artistry through cooking you know can be so many things that's the beauty of it
2: i think one thing that came up to me as you were speaking about that is you know the the limitation that that religion, specifically Christianity, the church, you know, puts on art. Certain music is acceptable, certain is not. I remember we used to have certain bands we could listen to and certain ones that we could not listen to. There was that sort of world that existed. But in that world, when you start to create, there is a part of your subconscious, a part of your inner being, a part that sort of takes over, like you were saying, where all of a sudden you go somewhere that you didn't expect to go and you risk offending, you risk being ostracized, you risk going from that listenable list of musicians to that evil list of musicians in a heartbeat. It's the us against them, but it exists not only in the church, but also in our culture, in in, in our society, in our structures, where you don't want to do something that offends, that puts you in a situation where you are in the wrong unknowingly, Mm-hmm. unconsciously so people I think sometimes are a little bit more holding it close to themselves and a little bit more afraid to explore it because of what they might discover and because of what might happen and because they might not have the tools or resources to deal with in in the privilege to deal with it we are really fortunate right now to have each other to be in a safe enough space where we could start to do some of this and we can start to explore it. and we see the pushback even in you know well that doesn't sound musical you know like, <laughs> you're right it doesn't we're not doing your traditional you know gershwin 1940s big band musical by any stretch of the imagination we're doing the musicals as it comes to us and even in that frame you know the the artistry of the traditional theater you know that's not shakespearean enough to put on this stage you know that that limitation that exists in so many venues in areas there's this fear of well it's not going to be good enough it's not going to be accepted i'm not going to be loved i'm not going to be part of a community and we need we need that on some level and it's being used against us to hold us from exploring it mm-hmm. and so i think it's it's an act of empowerment it's an act of defiance it's an act of the like deep healing to allow yourself to just take the reins off and see where it goes and see what happens.
1: The permission, like you're saying, to just be curious, see what happens, have fun. And it is an act of of challenging societal, political norms, what have become normative, that aren't necessarily really normal or right. You know, that is the power of art. And, and, finding and reclaiming that voice within ourselves and figuring out who we actually are as we're deprogramming from the cult. This is a safe avenue to do that mm-hmm. and to push our voice out there and, and share the truth, share the messiness of living and being a human and to celebrate it, celebrate all of that messiness and and just come together like that and and laugh because we need that to get through all the mess
0: so tell me about the process of writing the story and how this has helped you work through your own story
1: in writing this musical i'll speak to one song it's called healing hands and it speaks to the sexual assault I experienced in this in cult over the span of many years from a mentor. And that was very significant for me in my recovery. I started to see a therapist specifically for the reasons of unraveling my cult experience and spiritual abuse. And it, it became known to me. I recognized, wait a minute, this happened and this is why it felt wrong all those years. And this is why I became more and more of that shell. And even socially now, you know, all this recognition of what consent is. And holy crap, if that's really what consent is, my whole life of sexual experience has been non-consensual and so much abuse and assault has happened. But specifically in the cult, that repetition, I needed to speak to someone using their power to sexually assault me and others in the guise of spiritual healing and how terrible that is. It, you know, I feel angry and sad and fire and all these things at the same time because you know, I've heard on your podcast before, like the, speaking of, you know, sexual abuse, but also spiritual abuse, how closely they are interconnected and in how they affect the brain, how the feelings of recovering from that, all of that. It's, it's very complex and compounded. So that song was monumental for me. And it's a very, it's a powerful song. That's why we haven't really released it yet. It's it's one of those ones. We have a lot of those ones actually, where we want to be very careful in releasing it. We don't want to you know, it comes with trigger warnings and things like that, but you know, we don't want to re-trigger people as much as possible. We but we still want to honor the truth. And we want to hold people accountable. That's the biggest thing of this song. Turning away from that cult belief and and tactic that if i find all the answers and god is with me and everything is my responsibility if i turn out to look at those around me and the systems around me that are using cult tactics to be stacked against me and people in positions of power abusing that you know i'm going to start holding people accountable and saying i'm doing my role it's not all up to me i can't pray it away I can't love it away. I need to start asking these people and these systems the questions. Why are these things changing? Why was I so susceptible to this?
0: That just like gives me chills. I I cannot wait to listen to that song. I would say in my story, it was protecting, protecting hands We're protecting you. And that was the guys through which it came, which then can make all of those things just dangerous. Things that are supposed to be good,
1: it's a really dirty feeling when you when you think about protection and the idea of what is being told to you is safe worry you're safe now but really you know on the other side of that you start to recognize that that connected to being in your trauma body that sense of trauma we mistake as safety when really it's just familiarity and that's the trick that keeps us hooked and in those environments and relationships and it's not so easy to get out of
0: here i bring the conversation back to lennox to ask about their experience writing the musical i think you know just the first things
2: that are coming up are it's it's validated and actualized my experience so i was kicked out of the cult my neurodiversity the same thing when i was in you know church this is a great story. When I was in church, I was about eight years old, seven, eight years old, and we used to have to, you know, come up in in the pastor would talk to the kids, and then we go to Sunday school. Like it was like the first ten minutes or sort of thing. And you know, one time it was like a, a fill-in pastor. I don't know who it was, but they asked, "Does anybody have any questions?" And I put up my my hand. I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "So if God knows everything and always knows everything, and He created Satan." so he knewingly create evil so god created evil and the pastor was like you out now go like just leave like no Sundays, like no like go like leave but in my mind that's how i structured and that's how i worked is
0: wow this doesn't make sense
2: doesn't make sense like logic is so at play here like oh, it doesn't make sense like i and it's not that it doesn't make sense i'm trying to cause problems it's like Everyone seems to understand I don't. Hold on. Let, let, like, I need to ask the rules here. It's got a rule book. My neurodiversity, that edge of normal, i like, it was it was so well described by Hannah Gatsby, a, a comedian that said, you know, neurodiversity autism for, for them was, you know, everybody sees, you know, the box, you know, you're you're thinking inside the box, you're thinking outside the box. Neurodiverse people don't even know where the box is. So okay. sometimes they're right in the middle of it, but sometimes they're way out, but they don't know if they are or not. And so in that aspect of it, I didn't know. And same with the, the cult, I didn't know if I was asking the right questions. So I kept asking questions or saying things that would eventually be like, "Ah, oh, no, you, you're not controllable. You're not predictable. You're not safe enough. Out you go, out you go. I had no concept of cult. I didn't even know I was in a cult. I would not say that I was in a cult at that point in time. It, it, the language wasn't part of my reality, but it was also I needed to compartmentalize. Go get a job. Go, you know, reconnect with the world. Go find my footing again, my self value, that sort of aspect of it. But I still perpetuate a lot of the teachings that I had, you know, received. It was still, you know, I still thought there was something wrong with me. I just needed to you know fix myself and then I get back into that cult or another one and world peace and we'd solve everything and be great in the second coming and all of that you know like it would just be like as simple as that you know like the answer for every problem in society is in me I just need to you know do some more work musical has helped me sort of bring down all of that to the abuses and the traumas the lies the misleading the the narcissistic manipulation the course of control that not only occurred in the cult that we were in but had been occurring through my entire life and it's given me a chance to pull some of that out of the compartmentalized world and own it and talk about it and share it and and have it be part of my life you know i had a friend recently ask me you know like how do you get rid of your trauma and to me i don't i learned to connect with it i learned to live with it i learned to you know balance it i learned to give it time and space but you know also give it some you know maybe some some quiet times and spaces as well you know like i learned to dance with my trauma and through this musical and through the creation of it and the writing of it i i just I right, a dance that I've started to enjoy with it. Not one that, oh, that's terrible, but that's, you know, whatever. You know, it's like being on stage. You know, these dreams where you're on stage, but you don't know the dance and everyone else does. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to fake it. You know, now I don't feel like I'm faking anymore. Now I feel like I'm actually dancing with my trauma a lot in a way that I'm ex- a little bit more excited and connected to. And sometimes I trip and I fall and sometimes I sit down and take deep breaths or whatever but i'm i'm there with it finally in in you know being able to create something with it as well makes it tangible and real something more than just in my imagination it's actually out here and gives us something to talk about we've we've connected with so many people that we've never would have connected with in the amazing experience of talking with every podcast and every person and every group that we've talked to is this you know Another layer of discovery for them for us. You know, there's this this growth of pulling back the the veils of mistruth and starting to connect with oh you're right, I haven't thought about that. Or a lot of oh yeah, I still do that and I really want to stop doing like this this support that just comes from sharing.
0: I really love the image of dancing with our trauma. So often we think of it as this thing to get rid of and heal from. But what if we learn to flow with it, accept it, and partner with it in creation?
2: I always reflect back on the points in my life where there was beacons of connection to my more inner self. It's things that I'd see through art or hear through music or, you know, read in in stories or whatever, something that like that's me. I mean that's not me right now, but that's me. Like they get me. That that piece and how real important that is and that was to get me to this point. You know, that's one of the things I'd love to see is people can connect to it and and you know validate their experience in their own way. Something that's like <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm so struggling through that. Like the healing hands where you experienced, you know, that, that protective hands, you know, that, oh, you know, it's not a singular experience. Like there is this sort of, I think there's just healing in, in numbers, you know, the, the ability to connect and through music too, it just, you know, there's music just tickles a part of the brain that other things sometimes can't.
1: Something we hope that the audience walks away with is that permission to to play and to mm-hmm. have fun with art, whatever that means, and their creativity. Because we're hoping that we model this. You know, we don't we're not experts in the fields of you know musical writing, and we don't have all these deemed professional certificates and, and things that others have. Credited us to be able to have permission to, to put something on stage. And we've just said, you know, screw all that. We don't need to read books. We don't need to learn outside of ourselves in that cult way. You know, we, we're going to just feel it out, figure it out, play with it, keep some, scrap some, <laughs> scrap a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and just experience it. For the sake of experiencing that is an act in itself very decolonizing and uh, speaking a lot
0: um, against cult culture permission to play play creation movement presence these are all gifts art gives us not just for healing but for connecting with our humanity this conversation with teriyo and lennox was like taking one of those deep meditative cleansing breaths I hope you're inspired to create, to play, and to dance. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review, and don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Catherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time.